the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Thursday, July the 16th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, on July 16, 1945, the United States exploded its first experimental atomic bomb in the desert of New Mexico. The same day, heavy cruiser USS Indianapolis left Mare Island. It's a naval shipyard in California. It was on a secret mission to deliver atomic bomb components to Tinian Island in the Marianas. We know where that was going, don't we? <clears throat> Excuse me. Today in 1790, a site along the Potomac River was designated the permanent seat of the United States government. We know it as Washington, D.C. That was today in 1790. Today in 1862, Flag Officer David Farragut, he became the first Rear Admiral to the United States Navy. Today in 1964, as he accepted the, uh, the Republican presidential nomination in San Francisco, Barry Goldwater declared that extremism is the defense of liberty and is no vice and that moderation in the pursuit of justice is no virtue. Today, in 1969, Apollo 11 blasted off from Cape Kennedy, as it was called then, on the first manned mission to the surface of the moon. Today, in 1980, former California Governor Ronald Reagan, he won the Republican presidential nomination at the party's convention in Detroit. And today, in 1999, John F. Kennedy Jr., his wife, Carolyn, and her sister, Lauren Bassett, an actress, they died when their single-engine plane, piloted by Kennedy, plunged into the Atlantic Ocean near Martha's, uh, Martha's Vineyard in Massachusetts. I recall that, and I recall other pilots telling the news that day that it was kind of soupy, a little bit um, smoggy and foggy in the area, and apparently... Kennedy, they concluded, became disoriented and thought he was flying level and he was almost flying direct into the ocean. Today in 2004, Martha Stewart was sentenced to five months in prison, five months at home confinement by a federal judge in New York for lying about a stock sale, insider trading. Ten years ago today, retired intelligence analyst Kendall Myers Kindle was the 73-year-old great-grandson of Alexander Graham Bell. He was sentenced to life in prison without parole for quietly spying for Cuba for nearly a third of a century from inside our State Department. His wife knew about it, Gwendolyn. She, too, was sentenced to five and a half years in prison. It just... It just struck me, it's probably just me, but it just struck me that Alexander Graham Bell's great-great-grandson would be a spy for Cuba. I mean, Bell contributed so much to America through his inventions, and America gave him such opportunities. Well, you never know, do you? The Berkeley City Council 
<laughs> lasted for nine hours. Wednesday night into, or Tuesday night into yesterday, nine hours. It was a virtual meeting, but 300 people attended. I guess that's a lot for the Berkeley City Council meeting. But they overwhelmingly called for defunding police immediately. Well, that's happening. Seattle is is there. I'm going to be talking about that in a moment. But the council members also approved an omnibus bill that is interesting. I wanted to mention it to you because it sort of gives us the idea of where our country is going, unfortunately. But the, um, the mayor said, I want you to know that we are listening to what you are saying that we agree with the need to seize the opportunity to look at transforming public safety in Berkeley. Now is the time to innovate. We must meet the moment. We must be creative. We must imagine an alternative approach to public safety to make clear and demonstrate a commitment as well as timelines to implement this work. In other words, we're not just talking about this. We're going to do it. So the first thing they did, they 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 immediately set aside two hundred thousand dollars to hire outside consultants, who are also consultants for the Democratic Party. That is not surprising, but they will examine the the department's policies about alternative and restorative justice models. I was, I mean, most of us don't live that's listening to this program don't live in Berkeley, but I was thinking about that and I. I saw some statistics somewhere. Police, police pull over, and what they're going to do, one of the items of their new imagining of social justice, but of justice, one of the things they're going to do, they're going to hire citizens to pull over people who commit traffic violations. Not police, but citizens. So if you're driving through Berkeley, if you live there, say, It could be your neighbor that pulls you over and writes you a ticket. They will be unarmed, so nobody has to worry about the police shooting them. But what if if they pull somebody over for speeding or running a red light or whatever, and the person's wanted for murder? What's going to happen to the citizen who's trying to make, make the contact? Who knows? I don't think that's going to end well for Berkeley. I think we're going to be reading in the news some future time where something very bad happened there, but I'm sure they've taken that into consideration. But I was reading some statistics yesterday. More than 20 million motorists each year nationwide are pulled over by the police. That's the most common interaction that Americans have with police officers is traffic violations. A 2015 U.S. Department of Justice report found that blacks were more likely to be pulled over than whites and Hispanics. And you hear that often in the news, and it's true. They are. A 2018 report by Center for Policing Equity found that Berkeley, yes, the Berkeley we're talking about, that police stopped black and brown drivers and pedestrians at even higher rates. It found that in 2012, at, through 2016, 36% of the drivers stopped by police were black, even though black residents make up 8% of Berkeley's population. They report also that black drivers were 6.5 times more likely than white drivers to be stopped by the Berkeley police. I, uh, I know what they're getting at, and you understand this as well. 
what they're saying is that police, I mean, this is what the, the message is, that police purposely pull over black people more than white people when they're out doing their traffic and all that kind of thing. I don't know that that's true. Maybe there's more crime committed. I, I know that's not politically correct. I understand that. And somebody's already angry, probably, that's listening to me. But could it be that the, most police are trying to do their job and they're, they don't care about the color of the skin? I had a, I've had a number of policemen in the churches where I've pastored and, and friends of mine, both at the local and the state level. We had a friend who was an L.A. cop. He wasn't racist. I have never known, and I've known a number of them, I have personally never known a policeman that was racist. Clearly there are some. I mean, we see them, and they're, I mean, it's in the news, and it should be. But to just, in these wide-sweeping new imaginations, boy, I think we're going down a wrong path here. I really do. I mean, I don't care about Berkeley, but I care about people. And I don't think that's going to end well for them, but that's what they're doing. But it's suggesting that police systematically choose blacks more than whites or Mexicans, in the case of Berkeley, to pull over and write a ticket for a violation or whatever. I think the left, in their race of imagination and their creativeness to remake America, I think they're making America really more, not less, racist. It's reverse racist in many cases. In in Oregon, in Lincoln County, Oregon, out on the coast, here just about a month ago, Lincoln County came out with a with an edict, and they said they were in the national news, and they said that everyone that comes into Lincoln County has to wear a mask. I mean, that has evolved. It's changed since then. But this was about three or four weeks ago. They have to wear a mask, except for blacks. They said, if you're black, you don't have to wear a mask. And I thought I had misread that when I read it in a headline. But that's what they said. And it is immediately made national news. When it made national news, they looked confused. I followed the story. It They looked confused, and then they said, well, we were just trying to favor the blacks. We didn't didn't realize that this would be seen as a negative. We thought it would show how empathetic we are to blacks who come through our our county. I mean, (laughs) where does this end, and how far does it go? There's a plan to uh, hand out vaccines when they get it, for this COVID-19. They're saying yesterday that looks like vaccines could be available by the end of the year. But a federal committee that has some citizens on the committee is considering when the vaccine is available, this is a headline this morning, is considering, and they're probably going to do it because they seem to be all in, in favor of it, pushing blacks, then Hispanics, then Native Americans, to the front of the line for the COVID-19 vaccines, saying that whites must be last. Otherwise, it would be seen as racist. But you know who's pushing this, who the loudest voice on this committee is? Melinda Gates. 
and Gates Foundation. She's pushing for blacks to get the back, get vaccinated first, then all of the health care workers, then people with underlying conditions, then older people, then whites in general. I, I'm just suggesting, I, I know I can be misunderstood, but you know I don't care. I'd rather speak the truth and be misunderstood than say nothing and cause nothing to happen. If this can stimulate somebody's thinking, then good. Praise the Lord. But i got to tell you, this, this isn't about whiteness or blackness. It's about nonsense. It's about insanity. Well, Gary, if you were black, you wouldn't be saying that. I think I might, because I know blacks that are saying that. They're saying, wait a minute. We're not looking for somebody to coddle us. We're just looking for an opportunity. We're not looking for somebody to set the outcome so we'll win the game every time. We just want the opportunity, and many of them recognize they do have the opportunity. We're getting so screwed up in this country right now because we're following progressive, secular progressive ideology, a worldview that has no fixed values, not a biblical worldview, but a secular progressive worldview. And that's what's going on in our country today. It's amazing. And I'll, I'll tell you, people are, people are starting, to, starting to, to take another look at this, and the fog is starting to clear a little bit. They're starting to say, not in a political way, but just from a common sense point of view, this isn't right. I mean, it, it, this isn't going in a, in a right direction. Maybe that's what led yesterday the most significant lobbying organization for police pulled their support for Biden. They were supporting Biden, which surprised me a little bit, but they gave it to Trump. The National Association of Police Organizations of America, NAPO, they represent over a thousand police units, tens of thousands of police officers and associations across the country. They announced yesterday they're pulling their support for Joe Biden and they're putting their support in, they put out a public statement putting their support behind Donald Trump. They said he, he he understands the need for us to do what we do. I don't think they're suggesting that they don't need and we don't need some kind of reform. Human institutions always need reform, but they don't need to be destroyed and thrown away. The institutions in America were founded on solid biblical principles, including law and order. The Bible is very clear about law and lawlessness. Romans chapter 13 talks about those people that are put in place, that they are put there by God. Not to suggest that those who are are racist, those that are wrong in their actions, shouldn't be there shouldn't be consequences. Of course there should. But to suggest that all of the people that are trying to enforce the law and do their job across America are racist. I don't know about that. I have a real problem with that. I don't think that's right. Seattle is hiring social justice advocates now to staff and lead its administration offices. They are, and they're proud of it. I mean, they're, they're hailing it as a great progressive step. Unlike private sector jobs, these jobs aren't subject to the city's new tax on six-figure salaries. And that's a big deal in Seattle. These new jobs have the prerequisites, though, of, I'm quoting them from their website, 
advancing racial and social justice equality. The city claims to be, quote, adapting to cultural shifts. That's what progressivism always does, because there are no fixed values in progressivism. Your truth is truth. It doesn't matter how cockeyed it is. If you believe it, it's true. Seattle has somehow awakened to the new awokeness. You hear the word woke a lot. That means you're with it. You're awake. You're with the trends and so on. You're a woke person, W-O-K-E. Following that chop disaster, which caused the city of Seattle to become a laughingstock of regular people, banner carrier for the far-left, anti-American, socialist, and Marxist, now it appears the city has had an epiphany regarding how to deal with so-called systemic racism. They're staffing administration offices with social justice advocates who are being paid six-figure salaries. Library administrators, public utility employees, city auditors are only a few of the positions that they're recruiting for right now and hiring. The city requires prerequisites of, I'm quoting from their website, advancing racial and social justice equality. They're adapting. But to what? Seattle's hiring a director of administrative services who is, again, I'm quoting, responsible for directing and overseeing all of the financial activities for the organization. The position pays between $110,393 to $182,155 and must be knowledgeable, I'm quoting them, in the area of race and social justice to enable them to create better community and staff equity. Seattle Public Utilities is recruiting a Deputy Director of People, Culture, and Community. It pays $215,000 a year, and the person hired must help, quote, to embed race and social justice and service equity policies and practices across the utility by positioning equity at the core of decision-making at all Seattle public utilities. Are they not supposed to bring gas and electricity to your house? No. That's secondary. Services are not services. Services are now social experimentation in some cases, and in other cases, it's social reformation. They're completely trying to transform the community on behalf of the blacks. And, of course, many of the blacks approve of this, but many don't. They're saying, please don't treat us as though we're not capable. Another job opening for the Office of Inspector General I noticed on their website, it says, quote, they must have an understanding and appreciation of the intersection of policing and race and social justice. The bottom line here is that they just are demanding that all of these people that work for the city from, you know, 100 grand to more than 200,000 a year are really social justice warriors. That's what it's about. All of the city's restructuring will be exempt from this new tax that they've just put in place recently. And th- that that new tax is supposed to pay for all of this, whatever that costs, and they're reducing the police budget by 50%. City council members say the tax will pay the bill, but there are people that are saying that a similar tax was passed 
in the city in 2018, but it was repealed by voters before it could even be implemented. They expect that to happen again. So without new tax money, what will these people do? How will they pay the bill on all these new social justice warriors? Well, they don't care. City councilwoman and member of the Socialist Alternative Party, Kishama Sawant, she says, and I'm quoting her, we are winning, talking about socialism, we are winning because of the determination of workers and socialists to smash obstacles and find a path to victory. As long as the agenda is advanced, who cares about the budget? They don't care. She doesn't care. I'd like to talk to you just for a moment about determination of socialists, smashing obstacles, their path to victory. Those are her words. Seattle is a profile of the left and how it's attacking our nation today from within to bring it down, to bring down the institutions. There is no other explanation for what they're doing. It really doesn't matter to them how many statues and monuments are torn down or how much of our common history is erased or how much personal property is burned and destroyed, how many people's lives are disrupted, how many laws are broken. As long as the socialists in the streets can smash the obstacles, that's the goal. It doesn't matter the cost. The path to victory must be followed with near supernatural determination because there is a spiritual component to all of this. It is a rebellion not against the American government, not against people in power who are conservatives. It's a, it's a rebellion against Almighty God himself because God set in motion the laws of the universe. The comet that's flying overhead is doing so in the context of God's supernaturally created universe. And it's predictable. Everything in the universe is predictable because a God that is absolute created it. That's why the earth spins and goes around the sun and does all the stuff that happens. Because God created. These people are standing in their their littleness with their fists doubled, not only saying black lives matter and green lives matter, whatever, but they're also standing out there saying God doesn't matter with their fists clenched toward God himself. And that's what's going on in our country today. And I will tell you, it's not going to be fixed until we take another look toward God, not toward our imagining a new government. Man, is it just me? These people are nuts. Eric Blunt is a committed socialist. He worked for Bernie Sanders. In the waning days of the presidential primaries, he was he writes an article that all culture, all uh, uh, of the Marxists and in in the socialists in America read, I think. He's pretty well known among that crew. But it, it, he, he wrote to his comrades, he called them comrades, just when Bernie was starting to fall behind in the primaries here a, a while back and Joe Biden was starting to rise. He wrote in the, this long article, but in it he said this, he said, but the news isn't all bad, far from it. We're still early in the race with plenty of time for Joe Biden to continue putting his foot in his mouth and for Elizabeth Warren to falter under increased scrutiny as a front runner. But Bernie's path to the White House, he writes, ultimately doesn't depend on what the media says or what the political rivals do. It depends on us. So the punditry and the polls 
Take them with a grain of salt, he says. For the first time in U.S. history, we have the real possibility of electing a democratic socialist to the White House. It's up to us to make it happen. Well, later on, it didn't happen, but Blanc and his colleagues for Socialist America have now published a new report this week. And they're noting how much they've accomplished through this last election cycle. And even though Bernie wasn't, apparently not, I mean, they haven't sealed the deal with Biden yet, the Democrats, but Bernie probably isn't their candidate for the Democrat Party. But, they say, Bernie has one foot in the White House, and he does, because he and Biden created this unity agreement. I talked about it. I mentioned it last week. And in that unity agreement, Biden has given up all semblance. He really wasn't a moderate, but all semblance of being a moderate. And he's bought into the most far left agenda that this America has ever seen from elected officials, from the new Green Deal and all of this junk. And now they're working together on this, and Bernie's got him by the coattail. Biden doesn't know where he is. The other day, once again, he was somewhere. I can't remember where it was. I didn't pay that much attention. But he was talking about, it was like he was in Montana, and he was talking about being in Washington. or, or so, I mean, it was just this week. I mean, it's it's frightening, <laughs> to say the least. But I'll tell you. These people never quit, and they're not going to quit because there is a there is a supernatural component about this, and it isn't God. Bernie has one foot in the White House, and he and Elizabeth Warren and all of these people, Ocasio-Cortez and all these people, should Biden become president, they will, they will play him like a marionette on strings. I'm fully aware that Christians are first and foremost citizens of heaven. I've preached that my entire life as an ordained minister, and I continue to do so. I've emphasized that truth because it is true. That is the most important thing. But, man, do we believe that because we've accepted Christ and received eternal life through his death and resurrection, that we bear no responsibility as citizens on earth? That isn't biblical. I think as the socialists are calling to their followers, their comrades, to stand up and, man, we've made some progress here. I think Christians need to stand up. And for goodness sakes, seven million of us who are so-called evangelicals need to rethink what we're doing as far as our voting is concerned. We're voting for people who are destroying and dismantling this country. Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, and all of these people. This isn't a political speech that I'm making. This is from my heart about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do we want to put ourselves in that kind of jeopardy by electing people who, for every single purpose of their being, want to silence us, shut us up, and as they did the other night, symbolically, cut the head off the Virgin Mary? Catholics are holding a vigil today at the statue where Mary's head was cut off the other night. I, it's just, To me, it's, it's just a statue. It's nothing more than that. I know it is to some, but it isn't. But for goodness sakes, can we wake up and can we say to ourselves and to those around us, we should take a stand for what is righteous, what is good? There's only one equality, and that's at the foot of the cross where Jesus Christ gave his life. For you and for me, all of us have sinned. We have equally sinned. We equally need a Savior. 
and we are equally equally received by God when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. That's what equality looks like. And everything else is fake. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you for your support. We need it. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009.